the Borderline Space Podcast. My name is Bethany. I am your host. As always, we're going to start these episodes off with a trigger warning because we're discussing things that have to do with a very serious mental health disorder. There may be times that we discuss things such as suicide, suicidal ideation, self-harm. The topic itself could become very triggering. So what I want for you guys to do is listen to the episode if you can. If you feel yourself getting triggered, please stop the episode. Come back to it later if you're able to. If you're not able to, just stop listening to the episode. I always want you to take care of yourself above listening to what I have to say. So let's get into it. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about something that's a little bit triggering for me and a little difficult for me to talk about, which is the favorite person. This can be a very difficult topic for anybody with BPD to talk about, but I think it's important that we discuss it. I think it's important if you have BPD or if you are in a relationship with somebody who has BPD or you have a family, a friend, anything like that who has it, this is good information for you to have. So what is a favorite person? A favorite person is someone that the person who has BPD is emotionally dependent upon. So what does that mean? That means if that person is in a bad mood, the person who has BPD is in a bad mood. If that person is happy, the person with BPD is happy. They base their entire life essentially around this person as far as how they feel, how their day is going to go, things like that. They're very, very attached to this person, often in an unhealthy way. And that can be tough for not only for the person with BPD, but for the person who is the favorite person. So if you are dating somebody with BPD, or if you have a family member or friend who has it, and you are that favorite person, this information is going to be just as important for you as it is for somebody who has BPD, who's trying to work through the whole favorite person situation. So like I said, this is a person that somebody with BPD cannot live without. It's They're emotionally dependent upon them. It's usually someone like a partner, a friend, it can be a family member, but it's typically somebody that they already have a close relationship with. This person may or may not tell you if you are their favorite person. You might be able to figure it out, I suppose, if you're really paying attention and and really focused on this person with BPD. I would think being a favorite person would be tough. I know having a favorite person is pretty much one of the hardest things about this disorder. And I should preface this by saying, you don't have to have BPD to have a favorite person. You can have a favorite person and be, you know, have no mental health disorder whatsoever. Um, The problem is that people with BPD, because we have such a unhealthy attachment style to begin with, with the abandonment issues and things like that, it just intensifies their relationship and their connection to this person. And it makes it difficult for them. When things are going well, when the favorite person is happy, the person with BPD is happy, it's like, oh, I'm on cloud nine, everything's great, it's fantastic. But when that favorite person is having a tough day or they're ignoring the person with BPD or they're just like not up to handling their mental disorder that day, it can be crushing for the person with BPD. I mean, absolutely soul crushing. And 
it hurts. It's painful. It's one of the most painful things I personally have gone through that did not involve physical pain. And we'll get into that in a little bit because self-harm, at least for me, definitely came from being ignored and being discarded by my favorite person. So that can happen. But before we get into that, let's talk about the unhealthy attachment that a person with BPD can have to a favorite person. So we already know people with BPD have abandonment issues, severe abandonment issues. So anytime they're going to latch on to someone, be it a favorite person, be it a family member, friend, whoever, they're going to want this person to reassure them that things are good, reassure them that they're still loved, that they're not going to leave, things like that. I will say, so my ex was my favorite person for a while. And part of that is because of how he came into my life and the things that he did to try and stay in my life, um, where I became dependent upon him. He wanted me dependent upon him because he, as he explained it, which I feel like this is now a lie, but as he explained it, he wanted to be useful to me. He wanted to make sure that I had a place for him in my life. And unfortunately, that turned into manipulating me into really becoming emotionally dependent upon him. And I mean, I distinctly remember having conversations where it's like, please don't leave. And he'd be like, we're good. Everything's okay. Or if I felt like he was being distant or didn't want to spend time with me, I'd get really upset and we'd have to have these conversations about it where I was crying and saying, you know, I love you and I don't want you to leave. And I feel like you're pulling away from me. And he's had to reassure me, you know, a lot that no, he was there and he was there to stay. That all turned out to be a lie. And I should have trusted my intuition. But when you have this disorder, you you don't trust that. You don't look at the person and go, oh, hmm, something's not adding up here. You go to them and you say, please don't leave. Are we good? Is everything okay? Is this relationship, you know, what you're looking for, what you want out of it? And when the person is reassuring you and saying, yeah, I love you. I love you so much. You give me everything that I need, blah, blah, blah. And they're actually lying about it. When they do eventually pull away, it causes a lot of issues, a lot, a lot of issues. So that's sort of where the unhealthy attachment comes in because it can cause extreme changes in our mood. And this is a disorder where we already can go through extreme mood changes. Like we can go from being happy to depressed in like, 0.2 seconds. You know, we can go from being on top of the world to the lowest we've ever been, and then back to on top of the world, all within like a five minute time span. So to add in that we need this other person to validate those feelings for us and to validate that we're good, it just, it gets real, real messy and really tough. And this is where, and like I said, with my ex, Unfortunately, people with BPD can be abused by their favorite people because they need this person or they feel like they need this person, right? Their mental health is telling them, you need this person to be happy. You need this person to feel complete. You need this person to feel whole. Your life and your validation of who you are as a person is dependent on what this person thinks of you. So 
if that person knows that and understands that, they can use that to their advantage to abuse the person with BPD. It can manifest into physical abuse. And this is possibly, I won't say this goes for everybody who's in a domestic abuse situation, but when people say, oh, I don't understand why a victim would just not leave because they're being abused. When you are so dependent on a person, it's hard to leave. It's almost impossible to leave. And I can tell you from personal experience, you will do whatever necessary to hold on to that person. And it's, it's the worst. So they can be abused. It can be physical abuse. In my case, it was more emotional, psychological abuse. If you have somebody who knows anything about psychology, taking like a psych, psych 101 class, then yeah, they can use this to their advantage if they're not a good person and they can manipulate you and they can get you to do things that you maybe would never have done. Um, and that's, that's tough. And that's, that takes its toll on the person with BPD. But again, because we're so dependent on this person, we don't leave. The good times are great. They're amazing. The bad times are really, really bad. But life is kind of already like that when you don't have this person anyway. So when you have a person who's like, I understand you. I love you. I care about you. You mean the world to me. You really feel like they do. And they can take advantage of that. And they have taken advantage of that. So we'll go back to my ex. He was a psych major. He has a bachelor's in psychology from Carlson College, College, excuse me, from Carlson College. And he, I would say, likely knew that I had some attachment issues as he sort of learned more and more about me in our relationship. And I think he absolutely used that to his advantage. I think he absolutely sat there and was like, hmm, how do I easily manipulate this female into being what I want her to be when I want her to be that person, but still going around behind her back and sleeping with anybody and everybody that I could. You know, I mean, you're talking about a person who told me flat out he was abused by his uncle as a kid. And because of that, you know, our physical relationship had to be a certain way. So if I'm really believing this, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm providing him with this. He's comfortable with me. He can do these things with me and only me. Why would I be on the internet thinking that he's out there on different webcam sites or out there looking for, you know, couples to have sex with or other women to have sex with or, you know, whoever he was looking for? Why would I, why would I think that? Why would I ever even go to look for that when he's telling me this? That's a huge manipulation. And I believed it. And when I hit rock bottom, I actually sent a video to him. And one of, I at the time thought it was only the one chick that he had cheated on me with. So I had sent a video to him and her saying like I had changed myself for him because I had. I had stopped. I shouldn't say I had stopped. I had become very aware of our sex life, to put it out there and to be as open as possible. I got in my head a lot because I was worried that I might trigger him and some 
memory with his uncle. And so it was constant, like checking in and are you okay with this? Are things good with that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, with you, it's, it's different. I've never felt this way with anybody before. Lies, lies, lies. But I, so I sent a video to him and to the one female, I think they're still dating. I don't really care. But just saying like, I had changed myself sexually for you. There were a lot of things that I was like, I don't think he's going to be comfortable with this. I think we really need to let him sort of set the pace. You know, like I said, I would check in with him. Like, is this okay? Do you feel okay? Do you feel comfortable doing this? Things like that. And I was mocked for it. I literally got a message from, I assume it was either the now girlfriend or a family member of hers or whoever saying, you know, mocking me saying, oh, I changed myself sexually for you. But that's what you do when you have a favorite person. You really do change things about yourself and you really do go above and beyond to make sure that you are being to this person everything that you can be so that they don't leave you so that they still love you, so that they're still there at the end of the day. I can tell you the reason that things got so, so bad after my breakup with this person is because I still needed him to validate me. And I would go to extremes and do things that I would not normally do just so that he would respond because I needed that. I needed him to still acknowledge that I existed. I needed him to acknowledge that I had held this special place in his life as he had lied and told me that I had for this entire two-year relationship. And it became addicting. It, It was literally an addiction. It was like, I have to go bigger and bigger and bigger to contact him so that he would respond because I was addicted to it. It's like, as soon as he responded, it was like, okay, I can breathe. He's still there. He's still talking to me. He's still going to keep me in his life. We can get back to where we were. I mean, it was disgusting if I look back on it now. And it was a complete manipulation on his part. He absolutely manipulated me into thinking that I was the only person that he could ever feel comfortable with and that he loved and blah, blah, blah. And when I started losing that, I reacted horribly. And I hit rock bottom because I was dealing with these attachment issues and these abandonment issues. And I'm dealing with losing my favorite person. If you talk to people who have BPD, they will tell you that it's it's difficult. It can be the best thing when things are good, and it can be the absolute worst thing. That's why I titled this episode, Favorite Person, Heaven and Hell, because it can be the best of the best, and it can be the absolute worst of the worst. It just depends on how that person chooses to use that position in your life. And unfortunately, there are people out there who are going to manipulate other people. And it's not even people who necessarily, it's not like they look for people with a mental disorder or anything like that. But there are people who are going to take advantage and they're going to manipulate you and they're going to be horrible to you because they can, because it serves them. And those are the worst type of people, whether you have a mental health disorder or not, 
people that try to manipulate other people because they're just looking for certain things and they think, oh, if I do this, I'll get that from them instead of being 100% honest are disgusting human beings. And quite honestly, I hope that at some point in time, karma catches up because you deserve nothing less. I, I don't like people like that. I hate people like that. I'll say it. I was always told by, I think, a fifth grade teacher, you shouldn't use the word hate because it's so, you know, intense. And do you really, really hate somebody? Yeah, I do. I really do. I'm not saying I hate my ex. I He's whatever, like, live your life, but understand that karma is a thing. I just, I really hate people that take advantage of other people. In a world where we are at like the height of communication, we have never been able to so easily communicate with each other. There's no reason for any of that. Just be upfront and be a decent human being. And that goes out for everybody. And I will tell you, this has nothing to do with the BPD, what I'm about to say, but I will tell you that in the dating world, this is happening a lot. The manipulation, the lying, the cheating, the everything. And it's disgusting. Just be honest. It is not that hard. It is not that difficult. If you don't get that one person, so what? There's 8 billion people in the world, over 8 billion people in the world. Move on. Find somebody else. Find somebody who is going to be okay with just having a physical relationship with you or just having a friends with benefits thing or whatever. You don't need to manipulate somebody because you feel better about it or it makes you feel good about yourself. That's disgusting. You're a disgusting human being. And I mean that with all disrespect. Okay. So that's kind of my experience with a favorite person. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but I have always had an issue with that. Let's talk about whether or not healthy relationships are possible. They are. They absolutely are. Just because you have a mental health disorder, just because you have abandonment issues or you have a certain attachment style or anything like that, does not mean you can't have a healthy relationship. That is always, always possible. It does mean you're going to have to do a little bit of work. Okay. Therapy helps. Everybody should have some therapy at some point in their life. That's my spiel on it. I think everybody should at some point just be like, hey, I need some help figuring some stuff out in my life. Um, So therapy does help. It also helps to be honest with yourself, recognize who your favorite person is and how they affect you. If you are with a partner and they are your favorite person, and you're finding that your mental state, your emotional state is very, very dependent on how they are, you need to recognize that for yourself. And you need to figure out, okay, how do I work through this? How do I make this so that this does not end badly? How do I make this the healthiest relationship that I can? And being honest with them, as scary as it might be, is necessary. You should always want to be honest in a relationship anyway. But when you're talking about somebody who is going to affect your mental health, it is important to be honest with them. It's important to tell them how they're affecting you, how you're feeling, and what you are doing to help yourself 
but also what you might need from them. I think that's probably the biggest piece of all of this is being able to tell the person, hey, I'm finding myself more and more affected by how you feel. And this is what I'm doing to work through it on my own. But this is what I need from you. And I need, you know, I need to be able to come to you and say, hey, I can't do this right now. I need, you know, space or you being upset is upsetting me and I need to take a step back or however that looks for your relationship. But definitely do what's necessary for yourself. Be a little bit selfish in this respect. Take care of you. I think people get so caught up in relationships and it doesn't matter if it's a romantic relationship, if it's a friendship, if it's a family relationship. People get so caught up in, well, I have to, you know, take care of the other person or I have to be cognizant of how they're feeling and things like that. And while that's true, you have to take care of you first. You can't take care of anybody else if you yourself are not healthy. That's from somebody who is a mother. That's from somebody who's been in relationships. That's from somebody who's been married. That's from somebody who has some tough family relationships that I'm currently dealing with and have dealt with my entire life, you have to be a little bit selfish and you have to take care of you. Obviously, you want to communicate that to this person and say, hey, I need to take some time. But if you just need a simple, I need you to text me in the morning. I need you to be clear when you're not available. Hey, I'm going to be in a work meeting for the next two hours. I'm not going to have my phone. I will message you if it goes longer than that or whatever the case may be. Communication, that's a a good part of any relationship, but also understanding your partner and being willing to learn and being willing to put forth that effort to make it the best relationship partner, excuse me, to make it the best relationship that it can be. So I say, I know it's scary. I know it's hard sometimes to discuss feelings and to be vulnerable and to ask for things. But I think for any sort of relationship, it's just absolutely necessary. So that pretty much covers all I have to say about a favorite person. I don't want to go too in depth with my previous relationship any more than I already have for not only my own personal reasons, but God help me, should my ex actually listen to this and be like, hey, you can't talk about me on your podcast because I don't have the time or the patience for that. So I hope this was helpful. On the next episode, we're going to talk about another tough topic, which is trauma and how that interacts with BPD and whether or not that causes it or if it's a result of it things like that. So we will be talking about that. As always, you can interact with me personally, if you'd like to, there's a website, www.theborderlinespace.com. I do have a Twitter account. It's the underscore BPD underscore space. It's not a private account. It's open. You can hop on there, connect with me, message me if you need to, anything like that. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to talk to people. I'm happy to be a resource or just a friend or a venting space. That's fine too. So those are the ways that you can get a hold with me. I hope that this episode was helpful and I will see you on the next one. (laughs) 